All right. Are you ready, Peter? Always. All right. Welcome to the Venture Capital Podcast with Peter Harris and John Bradshaw. Peter has his VC experience. I have my angel investor slash founder experience, and we try to give you the best answers on venture capital in the news. So for this episode, it's a two-part series specifically on how ChatGPT is affecting software development, where I come from. And startups. And startups. And how it's affecting the venture capital world. Okay? So join us. If you want to make sure you're subscribing, go to venturecapital.fm. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, all the places. Are you ready? So how is ChatGPT affecting uh, startups and software development? So this week was kind of like a midlife crisis, not a midlife crisis, but like when, when you, when you take a step back. So I've always assumed for those of you that don't know, I have a staffing development company called codebase.com. And I've assumed that when I'm, I'm 39 right now, I've, I've always assumed that when I'm 70, 80, 90, AI is going to be really good where the need for 90% of the developers that are currently on the market are no longer needed. So Companies that used to have 100 developers need 10 developers. And I've always assumed that would happen when I'm 70 or 80, so like maybe in another 40 years. And ChatGPT was the first thing that I've seen in the market that's really caused me to take a step back and say, maybe that time horizon is not 40 years. Maybe it's 10, 15, 20, maybe as early as five. So John, first, like, it'd probably be helpful to explain why you think it's such a threat and also like what is chat gpt for those that mm-hmm. live under rocks yeah so we'll get yeah now you, now you're interrupting me like people say i interrupt you on the podcast just let john speak no, nobody usually, wants to listen to you peter they're usually saying let peter speak that other guy needs to shut up and then my favorite thing is to respond in the comments i'll be like i'm the guy on the left the guy on the left needs to shut up i'm the guy on the left so chat gpt um how would you how would you describe chat gpt maybe i'll ask you that question you can't turn it back on me all right so then i'll do so chat gpt basically if you go to chat.openai.com um it's a partnership on the OpenAI network where instead of going to something like google where you could say um answer this question where is this what is this how is this you can actually engage with it so i could you're and you can ask imagine asking google a series of questions as versus refining your initial search so right now I might say, what are the best coding frameworks for a startup today or coding languages? And I could ask ChatGPT that, and then I could come through and say, what are the pros and cons of each? What I could, And it would like understand you contextually and it would like list out like here are the top languages and mm-hmm. here are the pros and cons of each and how each gets used and all that stuff and write it into uh an article that you theoretically you could take make some minor edits and publish right but then i could go a step further and say remove anything that's php related yeah and then i could also say another question show me something that's really good for the medical space or with that works with telephony software or different applications and so your search can become very refined and i can interact with it like i'd interact with you so it's basically like saying hey google these great results are great but remove this, add this, here's some additional con- context. How and, we done? And do it in like natural language. Correct. As opposed to having to use Boolean you know, searches yep. and, and this, exclude this. Because yep. no one knows, not no one, 99% of Googlers don't know how to use a Boolean search. Right, right. But you can also solve programming equations. Yep. And if you look at the use case on ChatGPT's site, the first 
the first demonstration is this application, this language processing search engine kind of understanding um, problems that are in, in English and converting it into code. And in fact, the first time I heard about ChatGPT was from a developer who's like John. There's this guy who does like the 12 days of Christmas. He releases a new programming challenge every day and it solved it in 30 seconds. And so then probably for the last week, 90, 90% of my TikTok consumption is examples of people showing how they're using chat GPT to solve programming things. And to speed up development. And to speed up development. For the most part, my summary is right now, it would be compared to like a high schooler. Sure. So it's not complex, but it's like, hey, is this the next big breakthrough in development? Yeah. And not just break and not just development, but like. I mean, if you think about software and coding, it's really just another language, mm -hmm. right? And so it's this idea of creating content, like software is just content mm -hmm. in, in a lot of ways. And so, so ChatGPT, what's interesting about it is that it creates usable content, mm -hmm. right? With very little effort, very efficiently at scale. So this is the part, ChatGPT does not scare John Bradshaw, but what I wonder about the future and really, it's really the opportunity is imagine someone like Peter who doesn't know, who's never built an application himself. He could go to a designer okay, and say, hey, go design this application that maybe has like 50 screens. Here's my mobile app, my iOS app, my Android app, and my web app. And he could work with the designer to say, hey, when I click this button, this goes here. This is maybe the types of information. But once that's all designed, imagine taking that like Figma file or Adobe XD, those designs by designer, and over the weekend, it would program it for a thousand bucks, which something historically might've taken a hundred thousand dollars to a million dollars to build. That's what I'm looking out for is when is AI good enough to do that? Mm -hmm. And that's the startup context. Yeah. And that's when, you know, it could potentially majorly affect venture capital. It would affect companies like Codebase mm -hmm. and the entire world. So how would it, how would it affect Codebase? It, it depends. I think it becomes an opportunity and allows us to start getting higher profit margins mm -hmm. because then you're doing a very specific skill set, working with a very specific application. Yeah. And I think... But how easy is it going to be for somebody in that case, really, that has no knowledge at all to come in and actually build the correct app and know that, like, hey, this app is actually going to solve the needs of my customer. It's going to be scalable. It's going to be written in the right language. It's going to be all these things, right? So, I mean, so most people... Because are... a lot of cases, you don't even know a lot of the answers to that, right? Right. But that's where I think AI becomes interesting or could start watching... And instead of having a, a so the, what I see happening potentially is when or if it becomes smart enough. And I think the real limiting factor is the hard part about AI right now is it's just running an infinite number of models, but it's only really effective if you have a good data set. Mm -hmm. And in startups, people can't explain what they want well enough. So in the perfect world, you're really having someone who can, who can know how to guide an AI engine. Yeah. is what the future potentially could be. Um, but the, most of the applications that you're probably seeing right now, scaling, they talk about scaling, but scaling is not a real factor. And if it's yeah. a really good system, it could say, hey, here's going to be your V1, V2, V3. Sure. But it, it could reprogram. When timing comes right, it could say, hey, it's time to upscale the application. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe there's a licensing fee of like 10,000 bucks, 100,000, I don't know, whatever it is. And it says, sure. here's the next version. And then your team your manual QA acceptance testers could then go through and test it and say, hey, now let's have this go live. Yeah. See, my guess is that it'll be, <clears throat> like there are a lot of like self-service things that already exist, right? Like I could go on and for a couple hundred bucks a month, I can build 
uh, a drag and drop, you know, low code, no code mm-hmm. app with right? the, like bubble.io. Their big yeah, claim there's to fame a bunch, is right? I could create an Instagram competitor and not know how to code with bubble.io. Right. So these things already to a certain extent exist. But that's not AI. It's not AI, but but my point is is that there are already solutions that present the threat that you're you're mm-hmm. afraid of, right? Or that you're right. you're describing. But the flip side is is that none of them are like really that compelling because you still need someone who kind of knows what they're doing to mm-hmm. build something like yeah, I could build like a very simple Instagram, but I'm not going to build Instagram. Okay. on bubble right mm-hmm. you like, could why not but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be as scalable why not? it wouldn't be but like, you're talking about who are you talking about most startups bubble so i, I have my biases about bubble right mm-hmm. maybe confirmation bias i think at the end of the day these no code low code options look ugly mm-hmm. but again it's just a matter of time before it looks better sure but the way I, the world that i see bubble in is in fact i want i like to i'm Whenever someone comes to Codebase, yeah. I look at them and say, do you know what? Should Codebase have a no-code, low-code solution team? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of these guys don't want to go spend, like we just helped someone who spent $120,000 building out an iOS app. Sure. And an Android app mm-hmm. and backend stuff. Yep. Um, and so, but for a no-code solution, you could work with an architect for like 3K, test the model. And if it works, when you I, when you get to say maybe doing 10,000 a month in revenue, then at that point, you should start considering moving off, assuming Bubble can do what you want it to do. Right. And I'm just saying, why does why do not all of those things still apply just at maybe bigger scale with AI? Well, that's the point is, well, so the answer is yes. Like it helps you, maybe it gets you instead of to a 10 grand, it gets you to a 100 grand. But eventually you get to a point where like architecting the thing matters, right? And right. But so, you know, there's like all of these things that start mattering more. And so- Ultimately, chat GPT or like AI in general is in, in terms of how it's used with coding becomes like this enabler. It makes you more efficient, it makes you faster, it makes you all these things. But at the end of the day, if you don't know the fundamentals of coding and customer behavior and a lot of these these things that really matter when it comes to actual product design, it doesn't matter. Like the AI is not going to really understand all of those nuances. And so I think like the big opportunity is you move from like, pure uh like coding farms or just a bunch of developers you know writing code to a more nuanced situation where it's like developers need to be more like product managers Mm -hmm. where they need to understand and and like they need to be like architects they need to be product managers they need to be a bunch of these things and then they use ai as a way to like speed up and fill in gaps like i think about um outside of development if you think about um just writing articles or even podcasts like right like mm-hmm. theoretically ai could be a threat to what we do but the flip side is the flip side is is that ai could also just be like this huge enabler to mm-hmm. what we do and allow us to like up our game and do a much better job and do it faster and produce like better content yeah so it could be from a software perspective ai could just continue and for startups could just be continuing to do what other innovations have done so for example 10 years ago, if you wanted to create an e-commerce website, it very likely would have cost you $20,000 to $100,000 to launch. Today, you could do it on your own. For like 20 bucks a month on Spotify, on Shopify. On Shopify, right? exactly. Yeah. And then all of those developers who are working on le- on inferior tasks are now freed up to go work on more complex tasks. Right. So AI most likely will just slowly enable developers to be 5%, 10%, 20% more effective. And... These developers can then say, well, what are more complex or more challenging problems? 
what I'm concerned about, or the big question is at what point I feel like AI will, will gradually get better, but have major breakthroughs. And at what point can AI with a team of developers of like say 10 developers do what AI and a team of hundred developers could do. And at that point, there's going to be massive change. Like a company like Entrada could could decrease its dev size. Entrada is a local company with probably a couple thousand employees. They could lose their developers, their well, management. But, but what about the argument that like there are a zillion dev tools that have been released over the years that have mm -hmm. reduced the number of devs that have been necessary, and yet all that's been all we've seen is an increase in the number of devs that are demanded right across the right. board or, or because software keeps eating the world. And, and perhaps the bigger question is how much of the world is left for software to eat? That is another good question. But right? I, because if that is like, if you view it in one, one, one view could be that, that it's just infinite. Mm -hmm. There is no end of the, like the amount of software that the world could eat. And so, um, or the other way around, but you're also <laughs> seeing a lot of more niche, niche problems get solved. So sure. you're seeing instead of if, if someone were to launch a CRM today, most likely they would not go after Salesforce. They would say, I'm going to create a CRM specifically for lawn care businesses. Sure. And that never would have existed before. Sure. And it's a much better experience in Salesforce because it's identifying the problems of specific users. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing, I think, happening as well. Yeah. There is a debate like, is that venture backable? Probably mm -hmm. not. And so like maybe it just facilitates a lot more lifestyle businesses. And maybe we move from like, Hey, you know, the traditional lifestyle business was, you know, owning a restaurant or something, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but now it's building it using AI to build a CRM for lawn care businesses. Because, yeah. so for example, you know, I own appointment.com. And one of, when I look at like threats or concerns, hmm. the founder of Acuity Scheduling talked about it was really hard for them to be competitive as a generalist when you have all of these other scheduling tools are popping up like in dental software. So for sure. example, they said, they're like, our scheduling software is much better than what's out on the market, but a bundle tool with an inferior scheduling tool would beat them to almost every sale. Yeah, because integration matters, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So these are the things that we're watching. So I don't know, it's a, it's a fun time to be alive. It's very dynamic and definitely chat GPT as the developer side of me is like, whoa, what just happened in my world? And I think most likely it's going to be, you know, what we're looking at Codebase right now is almost like paired programming. So mm -hmm. three weeks before ChatGPT was announced, there's this thing called GitHub Copilot built by Microsoft. And the idea is that it's coding with your developers and it's trying to predict what it needs to do next. And right now my initial thoughts are it's an okay tool mm -hmm. and that gives you sometimes big wins, but it's only, and it's beneficial to use, but primarily for a senior dev, because I think it's really easy to go down a rabbit hole and just start following the AI where the AI thinks you want to go, not where you actually need to go. And if you don't have enough experience to know where you need to go, then yeah, you end up in this maze and mm -hmm. in the wrong spot. And I think that's also- and That the... comes back to like where I still think like devs that are good will be able to leverage this to become like, but, but here's my other As really, a superpower, right? But here's my other really big example of where it could go. Let's say you have a legacy application that's 50 years old with multiple languages no one wants to touch. It's poorly documented. That might be in the banking system, right? Sure. And maybe this is a really big idea and not a threat, but there could be an AI who could go in, look at all the historical logs. It could watch the application actively, assuming, assuming no new changes for management, no new front-end designs. It could technically flash the entire system over a weekend or a month max mm -hmm. and then just have, hey, 
check this out, look at our coding. And that's when it gets really exciting to, to me. When could Chase Bank say, hey, we're going to significantly overhaul our entire system. Yeah. No new changes, all of the same rules apply. And at that point, it would have near perfect data to make very good recommendations. See, this is where I think getting to specialization matters mm -hmm. when it comes to dev. So if you are just like a generalist developer, I think you're going to be a tough spot. Mm -hmm. But like, think about like the example you just laid out. I don't think you're going to be able to go to just any AI platform and kind of guide it through that process, mm -hmm. right? But I think you could set up a dev shop where like that's what you do, right? Mm -hmm. And you you know how to like what's the right AI, what tools, like how's the right way to set it up, how's the right way to check and make sure that it's doing it correctly, fix bugs, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, and actually deploy it correctly. Like I think those will be huge opportunities for people to create interesting businesses. Mm -hmm. I think the day of, you know, more generalist type developer skills and dev shops, et cetera, et cetera, will, will ultimately get crushed because that skill ultimately gets commoditized away by AI, mm -hmm. right? So I don't know, that's that's my two cents. So at Codebase, we're just embracing it is what we're doing. I love it. What questions do you guys have? What did we cover, not cover? What do you think, chat GPT? Is it gonna, gonna put like, you know, is it the beginning of the end? I think chat GPT ultimately is a much bigger threat to Bing and Google. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, you know, that people prefer. Although ChatGPT is not connected to the internet yet. So but it, could it be. needs to be connected. It could first. be. Yeah. So my guess is a startup that could come through and, and start plugging that because into data like the internet, mm -hmm. you're going to have much. It's going to be it's going to be tricky because your searches are going to be much more expensive to deliver because I think ChatGPT is for every search. It's either for every query or a set of queries. It's like a, a penny or two. Yeah. And so for someone like Google, they're caching a lot of data. They're they're looking at the data and then they're archiving and they're not changing and say, when someone answers this question, here's the top hundred responses where chat GPT has an infinite number of possibilities. It could go down. Right. Right. Yeah. I think it, I know it's definitely a, it's, it's definitely a threat to like the beings and the Googles of the world for sure. Mm -hmm. But right. it wouldn't surprise me if they have something like this already up their sleeves or they've tested it. Oh, I'm sure they're working on all kinds of stuff with AI, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they are, we know they are. <laughs> mm -hmm. So there we go. So did we, how did we do Peter? Did we answer all the startup related stuff? Because I focus more on the tech side. Yeah, I mean, so Paul Graham talked about how like the corner case of ChatGPT is that you just have like two founders and they just kind of design the product and AI builds it for them, right? Mm -hmm. And then like, what does that mean in terms of like total number of startups? And that really leads into this discussion around venture capital okay. and the impact on VC, right? Okay. Which is going to be part two of our series on ChatGPT. So tune back in for part two. All right. And right now we're publishing twice a week. So this next episode is just a couple of, couple of days out. All right. Go to VentureCapital.fm. Let us know. If you go to VentureCapital.fm, we just launched a Slack channel. So you can ask us any of your questions. And I'll make sure Peter responds to 100% of them. We'll respond to the best. What we'll do is we'll go through <laughs> there and we'll find like the top ones and kind of group them and try to like do our best. All right. We'll see you in Slack. All right. See you guys.